Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step work, or service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. Okay, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm the co-host Mason S. With me as always is TK. Yeah, yeah. Back for another episode. We're going to finish up the traditions today. We've went through 1 through 11. Today's tradition 12. With us, we got a very special guest, Mr. Danny S. How you doing, sir? I'm I'm pretty good, man. I'm doing well, you know, better I, than uh, expected. <laughs> and we can't thank you enough for coming on here and doing this. Uh, you want to kind of start with your clean date, and you can give your home group a shout out. Eight nine seventy four, uh, and uh, my home group, the one I've had since the nineties, is uh the Friday night multicultural meeting in Santa Rosa. I live about. 45 miles north of that now, but I still go there almost every Friday. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I've seen uh, recently you celebrated 18,000 days clean. Oh, yeah. Man. Congratulations. Absolutely. That's, that is, that is a, a lifetime, man. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I was 26 when I got here. I'm a little bit older than that now. So, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. This, yeah, man. This next year, this next year, God willing, man, I'm gonna make it to the world convention. It'll be the first time I can stand up in the countdown for fifty. Man, well, we hope to see you there. We're planning on being there ourselves. Uh, good, really looking good. forward to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's uh let's talk about you for a little bit, man. So 1974, kind of walk us through what was going on with your life and kind of how you found recovery. Well, my. My life was going to hell in a handbasket. I, uh, you know, I was in in jail, expecting to go to a penitentiary, and uh, what happened was they had a brand new program starting up in uh, Marin County, and uh, called a uh, Past. Back then, they called it Treatment Alternative for Street Crime. And if you look in the book, you see my picture up there on the corner, man. That's a, <laughs> that was that fit me perfectly. They changed the acronym to Treatment Alternative for Social Change. You know, I said, well, that that don't work. <laughs> but anyway, you know, they they call it whatever they want, man. Uh, the lady that ran it was a very powerful lady, and somehow or another, she got me a uh, interview at at a treatment program in Santa Rosa. Uh, you know, and uh, and so I, a guy came, they called my name and said, roll them up. I said, what the heck you guys talk? I said, well, they may have the wrong Smith here, but if they, they give me my stuff, I'm out of here, you know? Yeah. And, uh, no, they had the right Smith. They gave me my stuff and turned me over to this kid in a pair of bracelets. Uh, the best thing that guy did was took them off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we went and got in his car and went to Santa Rosa. And uh, I'm sitting in this room, man. It's, you know, in the middle of the afternoon. You know, and it's kind of a dark room, and uh, there's a window there with a, you know, a screen on it and some rose bushes outside, man. You know, and uh, this big guy came in, real big, about six foot six, about 270 pounds. Mm. You know, 
And he said, uh, yeah, we, we feel like oh, you know, you've hit the bottom of the barrel. You need now some love. I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be out of here in a minute if he keeps talking like that. <laughs> and then he squinted in the, you know, got, got some light on, on me so he could look at me better. and said, Danny? I said, yeah, it's Charlie. So we're talking about a guy screaming for the treatment program that I had used with previously. It's been a while. And back then he was six foot six two, but you know he's about hundred pounds overweight now. Yeah. <laughs> you know how that goes. Anyway, yeah. uh, so he said, "You sound like uh, you're good to go, man. I'm gonna put you on the list." I said, "Oh, wait a minute, Charlie. I've been on a lot of lists. None of them were good, man. <laughs> what are you talking about?" He said, "Well, no, this is a good one, man. As soon as we get a bed, we're gonna call him up and get you back up here." I said, oh, so I got to go back to the jail. Okay, that's, I got it. You know, and uh, right then the phone rang. Now. And he's talking. He said, okay, you're the boss. If you say so, okay. Hung up the phone and told the kid that brought me up there. He said, that was the director of the program. He said, if you got somebody in the office, keep them because there's somebody leaving right now. So from day one, the higher power started working in my life, man. Wow. You know, and uh, that kid went through so many changes, man. He had to make a phone call. I had to sit in that hot low office for another couple of hours. You know, that, that lady I told you about, she finally got a judge, not my judge, the one who's it's not my case, but the supervising superior court judge in Marin County to, to uh, sign the paper for me to stay and, and do treatment. So that's how it all began. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm I'm curious to know when is the first time that you become aware of the program of Narcotics Anonymous? That same day. That same day. <laughs> I'd gone to a meeting of the other fellowship in 1969. Right. I, I was down in, a, in my home area, and this, this girl came to see me. She wanted to get high, so we, we fixed together. And she said, come with me. I got to get my paper signed. I said, I'll sign it. Give it here. She said, no, no, no. Come on. <laughs> so I jumped in the car with her, and she took me to the Alano Club in San Rafael. It was an AA meeting, man. And uh, and so, you know, I'm sitting there trying to keep my head up. I mean, we just split a bag of China White, man. It was kind of, I didn't get too much out of the meeting. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> you know, but we, we stayed the whole time. She got her paper signed, and we left, man. You know, so that they, was my first meeting. So in in seventy four, the morning they they let me out to go get screened, August ninth. That's the same day Richard Nixon signed his resignation. Ah, <laughs> so you know I uh, <clears throat> and, and like I say I, I somehow or another got to stay. You know and uh and uh you know and and things started happening from there they took they took me to the treatment facility of course you know you know they had just had lunch you know they told me i had to do the dishes i was so happy to be out of jail i said that's all right until i look got to look at them they had them them aluminum trays them you know almost just like being in jail man and they had toasted cheese sandwiches that day with that government cheese they used to have back then. And, uh, <laughs> I think they cooked it right on that damn tray, man. Because it was hard. I was scrubbing for hours, man. You know. So anyway, that that was my introduction to treatment. Then later that night, they said everybody in the truck were going to going to a meeting. 
So back then, they used to drive us around the, the county in, in the back of a pickup truck. You know, and they had told me I got, you know, checked in. I was told I got to get a sponsor and go to meetings and do all this fine stuff. It's okay. You know, and, uh, you know, so I got to this meeting, man, and this, they they did those readings, you know, all from the World White Book, of course, because, uh, you know, they didn't have a, a basic there was text no basic yet. Text, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, we did the readings, and then they lit some candles and, and turned out the lights. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> you know, but then, <laughs> but then they turned it over to this cat and started talking about running and gunning and using and doing all the things we did. And then he turned it over to, you know, what it was like today, man. And it's like, all right, that must be the sponsor dude they told me about. <laughs> so I asked him, I said, hey, how, you know, I need to get a sponsor. How about it? He said, okay, we'll see. He walked off. I'm thinking, I'm in the back of the truck going back. I'm, I'm grumbling. I said, he didn't ask my name. He didn't ask where I lived or nothing, man. You know, this one guy says, well, man, you're riding in the back of his truck. You might know where you're going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my first sponsor was the director of the program, you know. And uh, he died from this disease mm. shortly before he had it. You know, I had a year clean. And I was working for him by then. You know, and his his wife is still clean. She, Tracy P. Tracy Pickett. She has a 52 years. She had 53 in April. Wow. You know, yeah. And so I, I see her all the time, man. And uh, yeah, that's that that's how it all started for me, man. And Frank Frank was a trip, man. He, he uh, first time we got a chance to talk, he said, "Danny, what, what I want you to do is, is get in the mirror every day." I said, well, I know what I look like. What's, what are you talking about? You know, get in the mirror and tell yourself, I find myself totally responsible for the position I now find myself in. So I did that for 30 days. And after 30 days, he asked me, what did you get out of doing that? I guess I'm. it's nobody else's fault that I'm here. <laughs> he said, <Wow>. good. <laughs> That's exactly what we're looking for, man. You know? <laughs> then he talked about the other thing. He, he came in one day and sat down at the the lunch table with me said, Danny, said, don't take nothing. I said, what are you talking about, Frank? They take two bottles a week. If I go out by myself, they take another one. You know, I'm not talking about drugs. Don't take things that don't belong to you. Don't take unfair advantage of people. And don't take things for granted. Mm. So now we're talking about not just stopping getting high, but changing our behaviors. Yes. And the way we, way we treat people in the rest of the world, man. And uh, I said, wow, man, that's a big order, you know. Because that's where I came from, taking stuff. No doubt. You know, I came from the ghetto. That's that's how I got a car. That's how I got, <laughs> that's how I did everything, man. So anyway, so it, it, I said, okay. You know, and uh, jumped in with both feet. And I'll be damned six months later, they didn't offer me a job there. You know, I did something right. Yeah. I guess I sounded right and all that stuff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You obviously were taking some of the suggestions that he was giving you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I wish he listened to himself because he said, never go on a 12-step call by yourself. No. He did. He went to a 12-step call in Petaluma, California. And the story goes, the guy had a, a kilo of heroin unopened uh -huh. on the table. And so they opened it and 
he went on a run and died from the disease, man. Yeah. So you're never free of, of the this this disease, man. Once you have it, man, you you know you you have to maintain your uh, vigilance, like no doing doubt. your steps, following the principles, you know, things you don't do and things you do do, you know, to, to keep keep it going, man. So he taught me that before he, you know, he went out, man. And then since then, Tracy, I I, got, I learned a lot from his wife, too. She had a lot of years clean, and she'd speak up in meetings, and, you know, and I thought, you know, it's interesting. I've never listened to a woman in my life. Now I'm listening to one, <laughs> you know, you know, and it's an important woman, you know, with a lot of, a lot of recovery. So... You know, what that makes me think about is is that story's not uncommon to where somebody uh, influenced and helped a lot of people early on, but ultimately found their way going back out the doors themselves. It's just, you know, yeah. it, it goes to show you that it doesn't matter yeah. what you know, you can't outsmart or outthink or, yeah. you know, this disease. You got to, you yeah. got to, like you, you said it best, you got to stay vigilant. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, I I don't know what was on his mind, but I just I just imagine he was thinking, well, all the stuff I've done, I got one coming. Uh, no, you don't. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, let's. So that was um 1974. Kind of walk yeah. us through the rest of the 70s. Like, how what did recovery look like? Uh, what did your life start to look like through then? I, I worked for. for that, that facility for almost two years and then I moved on uh, after he died and Tracy left, some of the philosophies there changed and I said well it's time for me to go to them <laughs> and uh, and so I left, I, you know I did a couple of part time jobs here and there then I ended up, you know uh, I ran into Tracy at a meeting she says Danny, they're hiring up at Arenda Center, now Arenda Center is a detox and residential treatment program for alcoholics run by the county. So I went up there and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I didn't apply. What I did is I, that morning, the lady opened the door. I said, and she said, can I open it? Well, I'm here for the, you know, the job. She said, we're a little early. Come on in and have a seat. You know, and uh, I did. You know, and some other people came in and stuff. And then this little lady with a cotton head, man, came, came in and said, who's here for the job? I said, I am. This other guy said, I am. She said, well, who's so-and-so? It was him. And she said, well, what's your name? I said, Danny Smith. I said, she said, you're not on the list. I said, well, I heard at a meeting last night that you were hiring, so I thought I'd come check it out. She smiled and said, come on. <laughs> so I horned in on somebody else's interview, guys. You know, and she's asking these questions. She'd ask him a question because it was his interview. Then she asked me the same question. At first, I thought, well, maybe she ain't off the sauce herself yet or something. Huh? Yeah. But then, then I thought, well, no, I, I think she's just trying to get a different perspective on how we might each handle it. Then she asked this question. What's the difference between helping and assisting? And um, this guy sat on the edge of his chair. He was in the master's program at Sonoma State College, you know, and he, he's talking about the sum being greater than the total of all of its parts and I just sat in my chair thinking, well, maybe they can use a janitor too or something, you know. But then I did what I know how to do when I feel stuck. I had learned that when you feel disembodied or whatever with what's going on, I said the serenity prayer, man. And just like that, that same Milano club I told you I went to with that girl way back when, 
when I went down to Marin to visit my mom and stuff, it's a, it's a place where I could go to get a meeting. And it wasn't happening yet, right? But this, this one guy was talking about a fisherman ran into a starving village of people. And he could catch enough fish to feed them for a day, or he could teach them how to fish and feed them for a lifetime. So I told that story. She smiled and said, okay, thank you, guys. Used, wait a minute. And I said, okay. You know. <laughs> then she took me up to the front desk and said, give him an application. You know. <laughs> so I did everything in reverse. I filled out the application after the interview. And it was called to work the next day. I haven't seen the Gestalt guy since, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's how I got into the working for the county. I worked there for about 26 years. And I moved through the ranks. In uh, 1989, I, I landed a professional position and went to the county jail and started uh, treatment programs in the jail and worked hard at trying to start an in-custody program. Yeah. But I had to, I, I, I retired early in August of 2002. I got my second diagnosis of non-small cell carcinoma, lung cancer. Yeah. It spread to the bones. And the doctor told me, you got six months to two years to live. I said, wow, okay. Doctors just practice medicine, though, huh? Yeah, no doubt. I guess. I'm here. You know, I'm still here, man. He's he's retired and gone on about his business now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, I, you know, I did chemo and radiation. I used to have hair. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, chemical haircut, man. It just it all fell out. The, yeah. the disconcerting part was... Every hair on your body falls off. Yeah. My eyebrows, everything, man. Wow. You know, so we got through that. Then I did radiation. And then 2010, it came back again. I had to do some more chemo. So I figured, oh, I'll get ready. I just shaved and, you know, got my head. You know, I had a little bit more hair came back, you know, and, and it, uh, I got rid of it. And I went in and sat down and smiled at the nurse. Look at, I got ready this time. So, oh, that's nice. But we changed the chemicals. It probably won't do that this time. Best <laughs> oh. laid plans, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No so doubt. anyway, you know, I, I beat lung cancer three times: first, fourth, and third stage. You know, yeah. It's been a long haul, man. But 2018, I wanted to go to Orlando for the World Convention. Yeah. Doctor said, "Well, let's do all the tests." So at first he did blood, then he did a chest X-ray, then he did a CT scan, then he did a a bone scan, then he did a a, a PET scan. You know, and a PET scan is where they they shoot you with a radioactive isotope and then take pictures because cancer like you know it's got a sugar in it too, a a sweetener that sugar likes to cancer likes to sweetener, so it draws that radioactive particle in there. And glows, you know. And uh, he called. He, I missed the call, but he left a message on my phone. He said, "Good news, my friend. You know, he's a Pakistani doctor, man. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah, no, no pets were found. They couldn't find any cancer in me anywhere, man. Wow. You know, so I went from dying from this stuff to chasing it off. I told my doctor one time, where's number two? I beat first.'" Fourth and third was number two. Let's whoop its ass to. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in other words, attitude was a big part of it for me, you know, and it, it helped me get through the treatments. 
you know, we get to, you know, and I continued to go to NA meetings on a, in fact, I could go to more now cause I ain't working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I told yeah. people, Hey, right now I got six Saturdays and one Sunday a week. <laughs> <clears throat> man, that's awesome. What a, what a, what a story, man. So, um, when you're going through all of that stuff, um, what, what, is is there some things that you take that you took from the program that kind of helped you through and because oh, you were talking about your attitude yeah. uh, playing a big part in it did you know what are what's some of the principles that you kind of leaned on that helped you? Well, prayer and meditation became a big one because you sit in a chair for five hours with stuff dripping into your veins and it's like okay, what do you do? You know, and I had a couple of sponsees come by. One of them I used to like to drop by when I was sitting in the chair to get my chemo. He's now in Puerto Rico working on his PhD. Ah. He's going to be a doctor of history. I said, okay, you know, <laughs> maybe I should ask him to sponsor me now, right? <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah, it, it was nice, you know. And, and one of the things I learned, long, I got it from two different old timers, one from the other program and one from our program. The one from the other program, his name was Jack Brennan, and he was a, a a wheel man for the mob, you know, and um, he somehow or another he survived all that, got sober, and uh, they used to fly him all. He says, you know, I love flying. I don't like flying, but when they put me on the plane and and everybody's wearing the AA <laughs> American Airlines, he said, I feel, yeah. I feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but he said this, and then a guy named uh. uh I can't think of his name right off. It'll come to me, though. He's the MC of Dinosaur Days up in Strawberry, California. Oh. You know, and um, and they had asked me to come up there, and he gave me the little card to help me to memorize it. <clears throat> and it's called The Secret. You guys ever heard of The Secret? No. I meet my higher power in the morning when my day is at its best. His presence comes like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long, the presence lingers. All day long, he stays with me. And together, we sail in perfect calmness over a very troubled sea. So I think I know the secret. Learn from many troubled ways. You must seek him in the morning if you want him throughout the day. So wow. I still start my mornings like that every day now. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's, that, that, is, that is, I've never heard that before. That's really cool. Lou is, was the guy's name. And I don't you know. I was bouncing around and forgot his name for a minute. Lou's gone too, you know, and uh, Lou had a heck of a story. He grew up in San Francisco as an orphan and convict and all that stuff. Then he had 30, 40 years clean before he died, so. Yeah. So do you remember the, kind of the, um, when the basic text come out, do you remember when all that was happening? Yeah, I remember when it came out. I remember sitting at work and, and I had picked up in the mail, I'd gotten a, a survey and some, you know, asking some questions and if I want, you know, anything in particular to be, you know, uh, the, the information they're trying to get from the general population about what they, the book should say and what it should do. Right. You know, and uh, so I, I can't even remember what I wrote, but I'd wrote some stuff and sent it back, you know, and I didn't put my name on it anywhere. Because <laughs> yeah. that seemed like the right thing to do with NA, you know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, oh. and my mother, my mother was in the hospital dying right around the time it first came out. So, and, and although I had the books and stuff, 
In 2015, the house I lived on up here in Cobb Mountain burnt to the ground. Oh. And then five weeks later, the, old, the lady I lived with died. Mm. Left me with five little dogs, of which I got two left. All the girls died. My old lady and the three female dogs. Now I got two boys, you know? Yeah. I got to keep an eye on them and let them out the door occasionally, you know? Or they're going to pee on everything. <laughs> yeah. Little guys, Chihuahua and a rat terrier. <laughs> You know, I guess that's one of the, you know, everybody talks about the, the good side of, of being around so long. You know, you just celebrated 49 years that you're, you're working on 50 years. But if you're going to be here that long, you're going to go through some things. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Two times, you know, my house burnt down, my old lady died. And uh, people ask me, Don't, didn't you feel like getting high? Uh, no, it didn't even enter my mind. You know, because I surrounded myself with, uh, you know, the higher power prayer in the morning. You know, I did my steps. I talked to my sponsees. I go to meetings and I have a fellowship. I said, you know, what? what's using got to do with any of that? Except that's what got me here in the first place. But since then, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I always remember my first sponsor and the lesson he taught me. Because when I was going through some of the, the cancer treatments, you guys, they offered me a lot of stuff. Right. Well, thank you. Just some Tylenol. Then I learned about naproxen. They gave me some uh, Motrin for a long time, but it started upsetting my stomach. So they gave me some naproxen, which is like a, a super powerful leave. Yeah. And it, it takes care of business for me, man. So, yeah. Well, that's great. That's That's fantastic. I'm glad you got to to get through that clear headed and, and, and didn't have to go that route. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I want to ask you some questions about, because, you know, NA kind of got started out in your way. Um, yeah. what do you, what do you remember about, you know, the, the early NA meetings compared to what it's came to today? Well, uh, Attendance population, obviously, yeah. and uh, you know, back then it was like we were falling over each other to get commitments, and now we got a bunch of meetings and plenty of commitments, and sometimes they'll offer a commitment up and nobody will say anything. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> like wait a minute, no, just little things like that, you know, and uh, you know, I, so I I make sure I sit close to a sponsee when when they're up when up uh, <laughs> meeting meeting commitments. Hey, yeah. you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's a little, a little story for you too, man. One of my sponsees just celebrated 25 years. Wow! On Veterans Day in November here, and uh, and his sponsee had 20 years. So we had this big celebration, man. And I was telling everybody, yeah, Chris is my sponsee, but he's also my Eskimo. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of an Eskimo in the program? Mm-mm. A guy named Bobby Earl. He, he he did speeches at both AA and NA, but he started in NA way back when, man. AA way back when, you know. But and he became a writer. He, some of the old Perry Mason movies with uh, Raymond Burr, he wrote some of them. Yeah. So anyway, and he talked about the Eskimo man. He talked about his Eskimo. He said, but. The Eskimo story came down like this. He said there was a guy in a bar arguing with this priest about there is no God. 
And the priest says, oh my God, man, how, how do you know there is no God? He said, well, about six months ago, I was trapped in a blizzard. I said, okay, God, if you're there, I need some help. And the priest said, well, you must believe you're here. He says, no, some damn Eskimo came by showing me the way to town. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you got to know and appreciate your Eskimos. When I was in jail, my my sponsee Chris told me about Turning Point. So I I had been in a couple of other programs, you know, them tat therapy things and all that. And I told I told my casework I I don't nothing to do with that crap. I said, but then this twelve step thing came up. I said, well, how about that? And they said, well, I don't know. You know, you're supposed to be going to the pen here. We'll see though. I'll be damned if she didn't work it out, man. She got it going. Another Eskimo. You know? Yeah, other Eskimo. Yeah. Been a lot of them along the way, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've had a similar story. It's about the guy trapped out in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. He sent a helicopter and a sail a helicopter and he's, yeah. he's I'm waiting on God. <laughs> yeah. and he sends a boat and I'm waiting on God. <laughs> then he ends up dying out there and goes to heaven and he said, I was waiting on you, God. He says, Well, hell, I sent you a helicopter, a boat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah same yeah, thing same yeah. thing man yeah yeah, yeah. you know and, and here's another thing that little lady i told you about to interview me for treatment for the county her name was ruth anderson man and she was in the second world war before the united states was she wow. was a nurse in china wow with papa boynton and the baba black sheep and the you know, the fighting tiger, the flying tiger, and all that stuff, man. And so, and they used to call her, this is the part that they got me interested, man. They used to call her the dragon lady. I said, you got a head of cotton, white cotton hair, man. It looked like a Q-tip. And she said, no, back then I had long black hair, Danny. I said, I wish uh-huh. I'd seen it, Ruth. <laughs> it sounds beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, and she took to me because she found out my father was a combat medic in the South Pacific. So, he died you, when I was three. You know what's uh pretty crazy? Travis kind of looked at me whenever you brought it up a minute ago, but you were talking about doing a treatment program in the jail. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's that's what I do now. Um is that right? Excellent. Yeah, yeah here here at our at the local jail, that's that's kind of what I do. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh I was there for a long time trying to start. The treatment, in custody treatment program. I was doing like sometimes as many as 15 groups a week with men and women. You know, because I brought it to their attention. You got me doing groups for all these men. You got women out here. I mean, there's two two fences and razor wire protecting the women, from either protecting us from them or protecting them from us. You know, and uh, <laughs> what do you give them as far as treatment is concerned? Is it nothing? I said, isn't that, isn't that discrimination? Yeah, can you do something? Well, I can do some education and a little bit of treatment. But eventually, we're going to need a woman counselor, too. Yeah. So I was instrumental in getting the first woman counselor out there. Did a lot of things, good things while I was there. I was, you know, I was allowed to exert some of my knowledge and stuff. I got a thing on the board over here from the Board of Supervisors for reducing recidivism in my county. That's awesome. You know? It was a uh, national average is, is 75 plus, you know, and uh, I, it, and Sonoma County had come down to 62% once we got that program going. 
Wow. So, that's kind of nice. The other thing is, my boss called me up and said, Danny, we're getting ready to interview people for your job. You want to sit on the panel? Sure, why not? So, eight people for my job. And I got to sit there and interview them. Five of them were people that had been in my groups at the jail. Wow. And one of them got it. And two years after he got it, he started the in custody program that I worked so hard on, you know. So that's 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 incredible. You yeah. know, um actually what got our started here was the um H and I meetings that NA was taking in. They started yeah. noticing that because I'm sure it's like this everywhere. The institution struggles with the fact that these people can get better they look at them like you know there's no hope for us because they're like uh, we see them time and time and time again so h and i actually starts going in and taking a meeting and some of those people show up you know and start Mm -hmm. going to meetings when they get out which kind of opened their eyes and said well maybe these people can get better and they've really worked hard to try to implement some programs out there which is which is pretty neat yeah 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 with H&I, we'll find like one here and one there and stuff. And I, I told him, I said, if we can get them all in the same room, man, and talk to them, it's like, in some cases, this is the first time some of these guys have drawn a sober breath in years or a yeah. clean breath in years, man. You know, and uh, it might be a good idea to try to get that, that logical thinking part of the person to uh, to work in, in, a, in, a, in a more healthy way. You know, yeah. I, I used to ask them questions like, you know, I, I tell them, I It'd be summertime. I said, you know why I don't take take a nice cold beer in the summertime? Then why? Then I said, because I want to be home for Christmas. <laughs> huh? I said, yeah. If I drink that beer, my behavior becomes unpredictable. I'll be in here with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Said, what? Yeah. I catch, I catch your attention that way. I'd much yeah. rather be with my family at Christmas than in here like you guys. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, a lot of good things sprung forth from the, the program. It's, it's not even there anymore because it was run on money that came from commissary. And out here in California, they changed so many drug laws. We don't have anybody filling up the jail anymore, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's um let's shift gears and kind of talk about the topic a little bit today. Uh, let's roll in and, and kind of talk about Tradition 12 a little bit. Trav, you want to read it? Yeah. Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions. Every remind us to place principles before personalities. All right. So, Absolutely. So, Danny, I want to ask you, um, is it normal out in your meeting at the end of the meeting? Does somebody share on this tradition? Is that something that happens? Because that's what we do. Well, we have hey, uh, coming up this uh, – I've shared a couple of times at the Nooner Group down in Santa Rosa. Yeah. You know, and in fact, the lady that's, that's the secretary right now was my older son's girlfriend way back when, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, and she she had me share on, uh, I forget which tradition it was, but this this coming uh, Monday, the first Monday in January, I'll be sharing on uh, Tradition 8, I think it is. Yeah. You know, and uh, and so anyway, yeah, you know, so we, we have specific meetings to go to. To tradition studies and step studies and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, you know, we even have we have enough meetings going on out here in Santa Rosa in the Sonoma County area now, where sometimes we'll have they have multiple women's meetings, and some of them are specifically book study meetings and stuff. 
you know, and, uh, you know, it, it used to be that's, that's the place where women could get away from us and talk about <laughs> whatever they wanted to, you know, and, uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's, let's talk about 12 for a minute. So anonymity, um, is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. Uh, when it, when it talks about that anonymity, now the dictionary kind of talks about it like the bearing of no names and remaining anonymous. But have you found that anonymity means much more than that? when, when NA talks about it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It means that we're all the same. Yeah. You know, you know, the end, the end of that step says that, you know, uh, principles before personalities. So that, that takes out that thing of who's who in the zoo. Yes. You know, and we got some people in the program that have some, you know, familiarity with the rest of the country. You know, there's Danny Trejo. There's this bunch of people. When I first got in, there was a couple of ball players going to meetings and stuff like that. It's like, but when they come to a meeting, they're just a member of the program. Right. They just got one vote, one voice, you know, that kind of stuff. They don't run the show. We run the show. Whenever I get to that point where I'm thinking, you know, I could do this better, I, I, I go over step 12, man. And anonymity is the spiritual foundation of the program. I don't want to interfere with that because it seems to be doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I can make suggestions, though, you know, and, and if I do that in the proper way, that if they're, you know, people can do it. You know, when I first came up here to Lake County, you guys, I went to, I was going to this one meeting on Friday nights, and uh, me and my lady were going, and and they, we start, we go to the business meeting because we're we're interested in what's going on, and apparently. It's an old church, and they had some bats upstairs. And so bat going on, you know, and all that stuff they're talking about, you know. And and, and, the, and the business meeting is going to make the decision to move the meeting without talking to the general population. I said, that's not the way it works. Right. You know, and I see, you know, you can make that suggestion to the general population, but the fellowship governs whether or not they will, we will move or not. And, uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's this, those, those, those traditions are there for a reason, man. Yeah. You know, they're, they're a little bit of takeoff. They're a little different than the ones from the other program. But still, the other program found out their traditions helped them stay afloat. Yeah. You know, and so we, we adopted the traditions. I mean, they were having trouble keeping one meeting together. The guy told me, he said, we were having trouble keeping one meeting together down in Southern California. Yeah. Until we adopted the traditions too, then we started to expand. I said, "Oh wow, amazing! Interesting how that works, huh?" Yeah. You know, yeah. Actually, so, from uh, from fifty three to fifty nine, you know, they they struggled to keep everything going. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until actually, I I always forget her name for some reason, but it was um, Jimmy K and another lady. Um, there was another so, gentleman yeah. that was with him. Yep. And then he turned in the key to Jimmy and says, you know, I'm going to do something else. And, you know, she's kind of looking at Jimmy, like, what are we going to do now? He yeah. said, well, we're going to try again. Yeah. And this time we're going to, we're going to adopt the traditions and we're going to stick to them. And then, right. Right. You know, 
and then you can just see ever since then, man, it's really, really taken off, oh. especially out in your area, and then eventually got yeah, yeah. over here to the other side of the country and the world, you know. So yeah, yeah. Hey, I I was blessed, uh, you know. The spirit court judge that sentenced me to treatment up there didn't know it at the time, but he was sentencing me to a, the third oldest fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous in the world. A guy named Steve Bice brought the meetings up north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Sylvia Magdalena brought the meetings to Berkeley Tuesday night. That's the second oldest fellowship. Yeah. You know, and so that Tuesday night Berkeley meeting, you know, candlelight meeting is still going on. She's been gone for a few years, but they they held it in her tradition there. Um actually the they actually meet in the original place now, don't they, Travis? Yeah. I, I think yeah. It's yeah. In Sun Valley? Saturday. Yeah. 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 They actually have a meeting at the where the, the very first uh, meeting was held. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 That's pretty, that's pretty neat. That's about six my, hours from you, though, isn't it? My first convention was the Fourth World Convention of Narcotics Anonymous in wow. Anaheim, California. And they took all of those hip slick and cool dope things down to Anaheim. And put us in the Mouseketeer Motel. <laughs> yeah. you know, and here's, here's the trick. I mean, uh, I, I was talking to my sponsor, man, and he said, well, Sunday morning is a spiritual meeting. Well, meet me there. I said, okay. And then that night before Sunday, the staff got us all together and said, if you want, you know, we're only two blocks away from Disneyland. If you got a buddy, you can go to Disneyland. And I'm thinking, well, I ain't got no money. I ain't going to Disneyland. But this very beautiful young lady came up to me and, you know, I said, Danny, you want to go to Disneyland? And my, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go anywhere with you, but hey, yeah. I ain't got no money. I said, no problem. I'll, I'll take care of it. So, you know what I relied on? The truth. I said, you know, I made a commitment to my sponsor to meet him at the spiritual meeting, so I can't go. Wow. No, that's okay. So she went and got another guy and went to the went to Disneyland, right? Two weeks later, we're back in Santa Rosa. A police car comes down around the, the treatment center there. Staff were at a meeting. I walk out. I mean, they send me there. I ain't worried about it. You know, so I go out there and say, can I help you, officer? Said, yeah, well, I'm looking for so-and-so. It was her and her accomplice. I said, oh, my God, what did they do? They said, they, they, they wrote bad checks in Disneyland. Oh. oh. <laughs> so when I do the, the right thing according to my program and the principles I've learned here, I'm protected, man. It may just save that, your ass. <laughs> yeah, I came from a, I came from a ghetto. I'm not like I don't get protected often. Man. Wow. <laughs> I, get, I get shot at, kicked, stabbed, <laughs> things like that, man. So yeah, but hey, now I'm in NA. I, I get protected. Let's uh yeah. let's talk about those uh principles before personalities again. Um yeah. Is this do you find that this concept has um helped you outside of the fellowship as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You yeah. know. And, you know, I, I you know, I'm like any other doping, I have an ego. And that ego can get in the way sometimes. You know. Yeah. And uh and sometimes, I mean, I can be pushy and persuasive about something that I think it's good for a greater group or a greater whole. But if I'm doing it just for Danny, I'm I'm in trouble. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It helps me everywhere, man. 
Yeah, you I know? find we we I, I find myself uh reminded myself of that uh little sentence a lot. Principles before personality. Principles yeah, before absolutely. personality. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And thank God people practice principles over my personality too, because <laughs> yeah, you got a big personality. That's no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, that, the whole thing was, you know, I talk about who's who in the zoo. You know, because we got some people, in, you know, pretty popular people in the program. Danny Trejo was the one that taught me about that. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, you know, I, I could play that one. That that game is that card in some places, but not in the meeting, not no. in NA." You know, and so you know, yeah, you got to be careful. We're all the same here, man. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. And and I think the uh, if you really go through each, like we have, we went through each of the traditions over the last twelve weeks talking about it on this podcast. But just hearing all the people share on it, you can kind of see how once we get to twelve, they're all kind of rolled up into one. Yeah. You know, and then when it, it you can find that anonymity principle in every one of the other the previous eleven traditions, and I think that's just so interesting that um, back in the day, you know, I think I was reading earlier, it was in forty nineteen forty six is when um, they released the idea of the traditions in the uh, grapevine that had come out in forty six and. You know, a lot of it had to do with what what you were just sharing about was ego, right? Like we, uh, we learned like they learned a lot of lessons from, uh, you know, one of the the some of the best advice that Bill got back in the day was not taking money from a big businessman, and you know he was able yeah. to share with him if you do this, you will lose control of what you got going here, and this so on and so forth you know you can see it with the unity and tradition one the way that we we don't have leaders or or anything like that like we look to a, a power greater than ourselves for guidance and you know in tradition two and then all, all the way down through it man you can just really see how that principle is is wrapped up in all are all the principles are wrapped up into 12 you know yeah. trusted servants we do not govern yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all too many, all too many guys, or sometimes a woman will step up and try, try to do some governing. And whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. But that's why it's important for all of us to get an understanding of these traditions, right? Because if nobody else in the meeting had known that we don't do that here, it would have just went on and exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's important. You know, to... A lot of times, you know, a little white book had that date, uh, July 5th, yeah. 1953. But if you read the story uh, uh, in there, We Do Recover, it talks about the meeting starting in July of 1953. Yeah. So, you know, we were going on for a while before we incorporated is what had happened, you know. You yeah. know, and I, I talked to Jean Lacacus, who was a, uh, I forget how many years he had, man. He got clean in the early '60s. And he passed away some years ago. A little, little guy, you know, that was running from the law. Came out here from Texas, man. You yeah. Know? But he said, you know, his first attempt at, you know, at a meeting was in 1948. He said, 
I forget what he said they called them back then, but anyway, it didn't stick. And it didn't, you know, then they finally came up with an anonymous program and some steps and some things like that, and things started falling into place. You know, it still took him a few years to catch on, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, now, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you're fine. I was going to say one one of the things I remember being told, you know. The Magdalena family, Sylvia Magdalena is the one that started the the NA meeting in Berkeley, right? Yeah. But she had a bunch of brothers and stuff. And one of the brothers wanted to be the secretary of the meeting down there in Southern California, man. And so when they were going to have the vote, he brought the whole family to vote, man. And some <laughs> of them were nodding off in the corner. <laughs> you know, but that's, you know, that before some of the other things started taking place in the program. And he did good. I, I met some of her brothers, man. They were they were pretty good people, man. Oh, you know, you know what's funny is that, that, that yeah. shit still goes on to this day in some places. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Load, load up the ballots, man. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why some home groups have adopted the thing. You got to be here for so many business meetings before you get voting power to keep you from doing <laughs> exactly exactly i remember when we started doing some of that stuff because yeah. people would show up and vote never come back to another meeting man it's like wait a minute yeah you know that ain't working <laughs> yeah. leave it to the group of addicts to figure that shit out yeah yeah, yeah. well we, we see the loopholes too so we know where, oh, where to close yeah. the door man. it's what you know <laughs> wait a minute oh yeah somebody's gonna use this one man you know but I can see it. They can. Despite all that, guess what? We still got a fellowship, and it's still growing, and oh, people are still getting beautiful home. fellowship, man. Yeah. Men and women going all the way around. During the pandemic, I got to share meetings, uh, one love meeting, and uh, and uh, I forget the name of the 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 country or the place, but then I I shared in Bali, you know, and uh. I asked him about, hey, my sister lived in Bali for a minute. You, Jane, Pandang, South Seloisi. And they knew where it was. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it really exists? Yeah. My older sister's husband was a, a project manager for Bechtel Construction, went all over the world building stuff. So anyway, yeah. So my nieces and nephew have, have their uh, high school diplomas in Greece, Indonesia. <laughs> get a picture of my niece doing her, her study in, in an open air uh, uh, classroom in Indonesia with monkeys and stuff <laughs> running all over the place. It's like a little distracting, I guess. Huh? But yeah. Well, Danny, what, after all this time, man, what keeps you coming back? The opportunities I find in, in reaching out to other people. You know, I don't know no better feeling. I got hooked on that early on in my recovery, and I still look for the opportunities to do that, man. I to give you an idea. Yeah, I had one guy when when I was working at the I was doing part time meetings and I was doing groups at the jail, and this one guy kept asking me, "Man, will you be my sponsor?" I said, "I can't be your sponsor. I'm I'm a, I'm a professional here." Yeah. I said, "When you get out, come find me at a meeting somewhere. We'll talk about it." You know. 
you know, a few years later, I mean, he had to go back to the, he was in the county jail. He had to go back to the penitentiary and come back to the county jail. And, and then he, he finally got out and he come and found me, you know, and said, will you be my sponsor now? I said, you got it. You know, keep coming to this meeting so we can talk every week, <laughs> you know, and he did, man, you know, and uh, found a lady, got married. And here's the most interesting part, man. After a while, he called me up one day. He said, Danny, I'm going to do the the uh, genetic thing. What do you think about that? I said, what, what's it going to hurt? Good. And then later on, you know, because I found out he was adopted. He didn't know who his real parents were or why they gave him away. And so, you know, he, uh, he did it. And then he called me up and he said, hey, I found my mom. My dad is already dead, but I found my mom. I said, that's cool, man. Yeah, she's in the program down in Southern California. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She was 16 when she had him in juvenile hall. So it wasn't a big decision to give him up, you know. Uh, but uh, now they've got a wonderful relationship, man. I've met her. You know, and uh, it's wonderful, man. How cool is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, you know, I keep doing things like that, man. It's like... I'm blessed. I get to see this and have all these wonderful, warm and fuzzy feelings, man. It's like, yeah. Ruth, the, the lady that hired me, the cotton hair lady, she's yeah. talking about the warm fuzzies as as a verse to the uh, cold pricklies. The cold pricklies, yeah. <laughs> cold prickly feelings or you have warm fuzzy feelings? You decide. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. I'll take the warm fuzzies. <laughs> yeah. Well, Danny, man, we're about out of time. We can't thank you enough for coming on here and doing this, brother. We sure appreciate it. And, I, I uh, enjoy it, man. Yeah, I I sure hope to uh, see you in Washington D.C., man. That would be that would be yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, that father that I told you I had, he he was born in Providence, Rhode Island. My older sister moved back to Foster, Rhode Island. So I got family all the, from Florida all the way up to New Hampshire, Vermont. You know. The whole East Coast is is riddled with Smiths. <laughs> I think the whole planet's riddled with Smiths. <laughs> uh, yeah, you find us, you find us everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt. Well, um, yeah, we 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 appreciate you a lot for coming on here and and sharing with us, man. And uh, to all the listeners out there, we're done with the traditions, but we'll be back next week with. Pooja S. from Poon, India, who will be sharing her experience, strength, and hope on the podcast next week. We will see you all. all right. Thank you for joining us on our Living Clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict, any addict, can stop using drugs, lose a desire to use, and find a new way to live. Join that no matter what club. You can contact us through text. The number is 931 306 9364.